Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jeff Schulman, the founding director of the Product Management Center and a professor at the University of Washington. And we are working to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. And as part of that effort, one thing we do is bring together the greatest minds in product management right here every week. We do it on Clubhouse. Last week, we experimented with Twitter Spaces. and But for everybody else, many people are now listening to this on a podcast. That's what that red circle up there is. We put this out every week, available on every major streaming platform. And today, we have a conversation about facilitation. So, Product managers need to facilitate progress within their organization. They often need to facilitate meetings and make sure things get done. And this is going to be a little less strategic than most episodes. We're going to dive into the weeds. Like, what are the product managers doing to make sure that they use their time and the time of their stakeholders effectively and moving forward towards their product strategy? And Sumeya gave me a list of 20 topics that she wanted us to do from here going forward. This is one of them. Hopefully I interpreted it correctly, but Sumeya, your superpower is telling people why both current and aspiring product managers should care about what we're talking about. So why should everybody care about facilitation skills? Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So I think facilitation skills is one of the most underestimated skills a product manager or a leader of any kind can have, and we don't talk about it enough. It is one that you see really strong PMs display and they do it with ease and you know everyone else struggles people who need to bring consensus who need to bring many ideas to the table need to know how to facilitate those discussions need to know how to connect different ideas different people bring diversions and conversions when needed into the the life of their product. And so facilitation plays a big role in that. I think it's a really important skill in modern leadership for any kind of leader in any part of the organization. And that includes products managers for sure. All right. I love it. Sumeya, that's your superpower. And of course, also being a great product executive there. Appreciate you sharing your insights every week here on how to succeed in product management. Today, we have two guests joining you. Uh, Liang, tell it before we start into the weeds about facilitation. Let us know who you are. Let everybody know your journey as a product leader. Cool. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. I'll do a quick intro first. I'm Liang. I'm currently a senior product manager at Airbnb, working on information security team. I have a very interesting career path leading to my current role. I did my bachelor degree in computer science in China, which was more than a decade ago now. <laughs> I set my mind to come to the States when I was only a freshman. I thought to myself, if I want to do work in tech, I'm going to do it in Silicon Valley. So that's kind of how I planned uh, my career when I was in college. I did my master in information management at the University of Washington in Seattle, which is where Microsoft and Amazon are located. Our location was a 
very big factor in terms of which school that I chose for my grad school. And after graduation, I got a job offer at Microsoft. I was originally interviewed for a software engineer role, but was then told that the team didn't have headcount that that year. So instead, they had this position called engineering service engineer, which I was told uh, is almost the same as software engineer, but with more operational work. Not knowing exactly what I would be working on, I accepted the offer. Two years into keeping the infrastructure up and running all the time, I was on SharePoint and OneDrive. I felt that I wanted to do more development work than operational work. With that thought, I joined Airbnb as a software engineer working on storage systems on the infrastructure team. So I moved on from Diallo to SF. As much as I was enjoying my work, one of the problems we had as a team was that we were always very understaffed which is a very common thing for infrastructure teams uh, in industry. I was curious about how projects were being funded and how we could tie customer pain points and business impact of the very complex infrastructure products together to secure more funding for our team. So we had four teams back then, 40-something engineers with no PM coverage. And I pitched myself to the ANCH lead at that time. I wanted to make a transition to a PM role. And I was lucky enough to get the role that I wanted. After being on the same team for three years, I moved to developer platform, which our customers are mostly engineers. I work on developer toolings, testing infrastructure, CICD, basically empowering our engineers to ship high quality products uh, with ease. And then last year, I moved to information security. I want to uh, learn more about the business side of things. And yeah, that's where I am now. And that's a very interesting career path. Not very uncommon, but also I changed four teams within the past five years at Airbnb. I started as an moved to a different company and transitioned to PM, jumped to more teams. And that's where I am now. And yeah, happy to be here. Glad to have you here and glad to see a former Husky, University of Washington graduate, succeeding in product management. And these stories are great because they give the audience just, I know we have aspiring product managers in the audience. Many of them are engineers. Many of them are in grad school. And so just seeing the different paths and the ways to get into product management are fantastic. Also, I just want to remind everybody that our two guests are speaking just for themselves. So this is, uh, they're not here speaking for their companies. Uh, they're speaking from their own personal views. And so Dave, share your personal views on your journey as a product leader, chief product officer of a ed tech that's currently in stealth, as far as I understand. But tell us how you got there and uh, where you're at. Hi, thanks, Jeff. My name is Dave Kim. I'm a CEO, chief product officer at a very small ed tech startup. But how I got here was, so I went to Berkeley as a chemical engineer, and then I did biotech and pharma and semiconductors for a while, moved into programming then moved into marketing. And then my mentor at the time said, you know what, you're actually, you're actually a product manager, you just don't know it. And that was 17 years ago. And uh, during that time between now and then, I've worked in cybersecurity, local search, and FinTech. Uh, one of my proudest things was I actually did a partnership with Uber. If you've ever seen a driver use Uber Instant Pay, which allows you to get paid every day versus waiting for a direct deposit, I helped build that. And I'm really proud of that because I asked every single Uber driver about that and give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. Anyway, I've been at the last five years before now, I was at a cybersecurity company called Tenable and actually CrowdStrike before that for a year or two. And I am actually just about to finish my master's at Harvard Graduate School of Education. And I've now pivoted into ed tech about three months ago. So the role is new, the job, the company is super, super small, like three people. 
but it's super exciting and I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the conversation today. All right, Sumay, every time we talk, I see you every week or hear you every week. You surprise me with a part of your experience, but we've got two people here with information or cybersecurity experience. Sumay, do you have that too? Or is this a full group with cybersecurity or is that a secret mystery that (laughs) I haven't heard yet? Well, I think my VMware background, as you know, (laughs) working on CICD and pipelines and automation for engineers and developers and continuous delivery has made cybersecurity part of the conversation always constantly. So yes, we do have products in that space. So I'm glad to be amongst people from that space too. All right. So we could geek out on cybersecurity after we talk about uh, meeting facilitations or, or not meeting facilitations, just facilitation in general. I also want to acknowledge we've got some great uh, listeners out in the crowd and uh, hopefully you'll pop up on stage at about 10 minutes or so to share your view. We're missing Red, our co-host, but I'm still going to try my best to bring you on stage to share your perspective on the topic, throw out some controversial opinions or get your questions answered about how to succeed in product management from this illustrious group, product leader that we have here on stage. So I want to dive right in. Sumeya, do you have any controversial opinions as it relates to uh, facilitation skills? So I love how you, you know, in your last sentence or last paragraph there, you said facilitation and not limited to just meetings, because I completely agree. I think sometimes people think about facilitation within the context of a workshop or a meeting but there is so much more to it, to this skill than just those opportunities or those kinds of situations. I don't think that this is controversial, but I'd love to hear from everyone here on what's their definition of actually the word facilitation. I love it. So when we invited you to talk about facilitation, where do you see facilitation skills being in your job and when they're important and how you apply them? Liang, I'll start with you. Yeah, actually, I had to Google. And I was just curious, hey, you know, when people think about facilitation, what does that mean? And there's an interesting article that I found, and it says a couple of bullet points, and I'm reading it off of the article that I found, you know, advanced preparation, clear communication, active listening, asking questions, timekeeping, establishing a psychologically safe environment for sharing, creating focus among the group unbiased objectivity, managing the group decision process. So when I'm reading these bullet points, immediately I thought about the plannings that we need to drive as a product manager. And those are the skills we have to master in order to have a successful planning session. No one really wants the super long, inefficient meetings or planning meetings driven by the PM. You will piss a lot of people off just by running efficient and costly meetings. So facilitation skills is definitely one of the skills that's underestimated, but very crucial in becoming a very successful product manager. Dave, what about you? What comes to mind and where do you see facilitation being relevant to what you're doing? I mean, uh, Samia kind of hit it in the head earlier on. Facilitation is, I think, one of the core things for product management, right? You are getting things done, not just by yourself. You're influencing others to all achieve a common goal. So it's your job to have that common goal and, you know, remove obstacles all those things to set a direction, to remove obstacles, to, you know, to prioritize, those are all acts of facilitation to help people, you know, help the group, however big it is, however diverse it is, 
uh, if it's one or a hundred people to get them all moving in the same direction to achieve that goal. So I think it's like the, the crux, the core of, of what product management is in terms of the indirect or leading by influence and not doing everything yourself. All right. And I want to ask a question. This is for more of the aspiring product managers. We've got a whole bunch in our community in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. These are individuals trying to get into product management, doing everything they can, learning as much as they can. What meetings do you actually get to facilitate as a product manager? How often are you facilitating the meetings and how often are you a participant in meetings that other people call? So it's an open-ended question, but Sumeya, you're always good at picking up my word salad. So, (laughs) Yeah, you know, what's interesting is all the above. Sometimes you find yourself in meetings that you didn't call, but the facilitator is floundering or needs assistance. And so you end up helping them facilitate. Of course, in a respectful way, in a you know psychologically safe way. But no, in terms of the meetings you get to facilitate. So I, I want to decouple facilitation from the word meetings a little bit, only because there are lots of situations of collaboration that have nothing to do with meetings. And I think the word meeting has so much negative connotation built into it for many people that I'd love to really not constantly put the two words facilitation and meaning together. So when it comes to collaboration and facilitation of collaborative sessions or workshops or interactions, in fact, the way I think about facilitation is essentially choreographing the energy and the motion of the collaboration. So the designer, the architect, the entrepreneur in charge of this collaboration and the outcomes out of it, you have a responsibility to do the right thing. And we'll, we'll talk about this together. I think we all have tips and techniques. But in terms of some of the typical interactions that a PM would be responsible for, one, vision sessions, two, weekly uh, planning meetings. Uh, For example, currently in my role, we have weekly iteration planning meetings. In other roles, we would have sprints, you know, collaboration on the roadmap, review sessions, demo sessions. There are many kinds of collaborations. Some are about information sharing. And we can talk a little bit about that too, because when it comes to information sharing, there are different techniques and channels that might be more appropriate than co-located or co- or you know synchronized meetings. And then there are others, such as decision-making kind of collaborations that require multiple people, multiple stakeholders to be together in a synchronized way and sharing information and insights and learning together to arrive at a decision that people might not necessarily all of them agree to, but can align around. So there are a couple of types of these collaborations that we talk about, but I think the purpose of them is what is most important. All right. I love that phrase, choreographing collaboration. So it sounds like as a PM, you're putting together a beautiful ballet, but in reality, it's very often sometimes comes short of perfect choreography. So Dave, I'm wondering if you, uh, actually, I want both of you, Leung and Dave, if you're willing to share any failures in facilitation and what you've learned from it. And I'll start with Dave on this, but Leung, I'm hopeful that you'll think about any failures you've had in facilitating and uh, what you've learned from it. Dave? Thanks, Jeff. So, yeah, first, 
I'm all about sharing failures. PMs need to be okay with failure as long as they learn from it. So um, I, I've gotten to the point, I think, in around the middle of my career, this was actually with that um, fintech job in Uber, where I was getting pretty good at facilitating internally in our own company. But it's another story when you start talking about partnerships, integrations, what have you, right? It's a different language. It's a different set of dynamic, different culture. And you have to be more proactive than you were before and more kind of responsive than you were originally because you don't know that culture. You don't know that group. So I failed because I assumed things worked the same way or it was only marginally different. But I will tell you, it worked differently. The sprints were different. Some of the language was different. How the requirements was different. I was not ready for any of that. And it was a big failure the very first go of this. And I was wholly unprepared for this. And literally the head PM on the other side, 10 minutes in, he decided to facilitate by saying, this meeting is not worth it, we're going to stop. And that was a bold move. And it was also crushing to me. But it taught me a lesson. And one, you got to be prepared for these meetings. It'd be clear what the agenda is. I can go expand on these later. But the point is that people are looking at the PM to be prepared to have, if not the answers, come up with those answers, you know, soon after or know where to get those answers. And if you don't have those, it kind of undermines the ability to, to facilitate. So some of this I'll summarize is in like pre-work, understanding who that other user or other users are, just like your customers. It's like, who are your co-conspirators or co-collaborators, right? And being prepared and having things ready to go in those meetings. So again, I had mastered in my mind internal facilitation, but I had failed spectacularly in my first foray at external with other people and not understanding the differences that would arise. And um, I learned a lot that day and never happened again. All right, Dave, thanks for sharing a failure and encouraging others to own up or, you know, be okay with failures as long as you learn from it. Leon, a failure that you've learned from in terms of facilitation. Oh, uh, had many failures about like running efficient facilitations. I can name a few. I think the first one is the first lesson that I learned is like you actually need to listen more than you need to talk. I think PMs, regardless whether you're introvert or extroverted, uh, the job it requires a lot of communication. And usually when you got excited uh, about a project or about this group of people that you're collaborating with, or a goal that you're super fixated on to achieve, you stop taking other people's opinion into consideration. It's becoming a show of your own rather than a show of everyone that is in the room. And I think that really requires active listening and less talking. And not just listening to what is being said in the room, but also what is not being said. I remember one time I was hosting a session where we are working on a vision for a tool uh, for the next year. And at the end of the meeting, I realized, oh, I'm the only one that is talking right now. And all the engineers started being like very quiet. And I immediately realized, wow, maybe, you know, like I stole the show, you know, it's not about me. It's about like uh, getting the vision set for the next year. And how can we uh, come back from, you know, that kind of awkward silence. So that's kind of a lesson that I learned. And I think another time is more about asking the right questions. Again, I work with engineers most of the time because I work on technical products. Sometimes you have to ask the right probing questions to have the conversation flowing. And most of the time, you know, people are doing their own thing or like minding their own business, or they can be in a super long session where they start zoning out. And I think having 
ask the right question, we'll kind of bring people back and start it to contribute to the pool of ideas. And I think those are the two lessons that I learned, you know, active listening and also asking the right questions. Thank you so much. And Sumeya, you've never failed. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if only. (laughs) But do you have one that you could think through where you failed and not, I don't want to say failure, but a learning lesson in facilitation? Absolutely. I have no shyness around discussing failures. And I know there is a little bit of nuance into really what does it mean, but every one of them has been a learning opportunity for me. I think I want to just start with my failure in the be early in my career as a participant. I was extremely shy. I did not participate in any meaningful way in any meetings or discussions. I felt that, you know, I had to have a high level of knowledge and wisdom for me to just open my mouth and, and share my perspective. And so that limited my participation a lot. And so the best facilitators, however, that I came across then were people who were able to make me feel comfortable and ask me questions and include me. And so I've learned a lot from them. But every time I have failed as a facilitator myself, has been because they've made assumptions around the audience. You know, I've done my preparations, but maybe not nearly enough. And then I got stuck in my own agenda. You know, I have goals, right? I have to achieve this outcome by the end of this meeting. I need to make it highly productive. And sometimes, which is why product management, you know, a lot of people use the word art in relation to it, is not necessarily this rigid thing. Yes, I'll do all my preparation. Part of the preparation is a a set of assumptions that I make. But then once I am in the workshop or in the interaction with that crowd, I learn new things and they might invalidate those assumptions. And so I need to be nimble enough and flexible enough to to adjust within the meeting. And if not, I need to be able to close out the meeting in a graceful way and bring us back again. At least I can remember one example where the information that was brought up in the middle of the discussion, it was an ideation discussion, highlighted to me that our corporate strategy has completely changed and it invalidated the premise of that interaction. And so you know, being able to close out the meeting right then and there based on that information is also important and doing it in a way where everyone understands why this is happening and, you know, being really rational about it. So, yeah, being nimble is really where I've had a lot of learnings over time. All right. We I have one more question before we turn to audience questions and comments. So first, I'm going to tee it up. Normally, Red, if you're listening, we miss you. We're sad not to have your humor and energy here for the audience Q&A stuff. But I'm going to give my best to, to fill in your shoes. <laughs> I, he's not listening. There's no way he's listening. But if he is. But anyway, all of you have a chance to come up on stage and ask a question of our cybersecurity experts, our product manager experts, and our facilitation experts. For separating meeting from facilitation. Our, what'd you say it was? Choreographers? Collaborative choreography? It's such um, a poetic it, word. <laughs> the word that I, I use a lot or the combination of words that I use is choreography of motion in crowd interactions. I love it. Love it. Yeah. All right. So I have a question, Dave and Leung. I'm going to welcome our person to the stage to ask their question first. But just so in the back of your mind, 
And for everybody else, after this question, we're going to hear successes. We heard failures in facilitation. I want to hear successes and what you feel drove that success. So that's my question for Dave and Leung and Sumeya after we uh, have a moment for audience questions. Before we get to audience questions, though, this is a, a little short break in our segment. So I want to say Sumeya, I'm super excited, has agreed to be a moderator at the Inclusive Product Management Summit which is May 20th and May 21st, we are going to bring together hundreds of aspiring product managers and existing product managers to learn from each other and to learn from the very best in the business. And Sumeya is going to be moderating a conversation about embedding inclusion throughout a product organization featuring the president and chief product officer of Salesforce. So thank you, Sumeya. Hopefully I'm allowed to announce that. I know you just said that you would do it just a moment ago. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. So I'm really excited that Sumeya you've agreed to do that. I'm excited that the lineup of speakers that we have, and we've got some great speakers coming up too. So May 20th, May 21st, mark your calendars and then Google the Inclusive Product Management Summit and find out when we you could register for that event. And it's going to be a good one. But speaking of a good one, this right here is a fantastic conversation that I want to keep going. We have our first person on stage waiting patiently with the mute button. Thank you. Do you want to pronounce your name for us and ask your question? Hey, good evening, guys. My name is Taniel. I know it looks like Taniel, but it's Taniel. <laughs> Thank you guys for this space and this club and uh, this whole conversation. So I'm actually about to start a new product management role next week, Monday, the 28th. Congratulations. Thank you so very much. And it'll be my first product management role. And it's in the ad tech space. Previously, I was an ad sales operations and ad sales planning and inventory management and things like that. And so I'll be starting in this whole world still with an ad sales, but on the product side next week. And so I'm glad I found this club. And I was in here last week and you guys were talking about, you were talking about how there's competitiveness in the product management space. And I was a little confused and kind of like, hmm, what would that be or what does that look like in a space and a role that is supposed to be hyper collaborative, right? You guys talked about leading without authority and even also that you can be in a product management role, yes, like with that title for years before you even manage anyone. And so I was wondering how if you guys can expound on that competitiveness you were talking about last week. And then how does that, how does that even work when sure. you have to be a facilitator, like what we're talking about this evening? All right. I love that question. Oh, sorry, Sumaya, go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay, Jeff. Go for it. <laughs> no, no, I was, I was going to turn it to Leong, but if you have something to say or, yeah, I, I love the question. Go ahead. I wanted to just clarify because I know I use the word competitive, highly competitive and like really caring about winning a lot last week. So just wanted to add a little bit of color to that and then I'll definitely turn it over to Leong. So Tennille, I think one of the things that product managers care about, especially when it comes to their product, which does not not negate the fact that they still need to be collaborative, is that their product wins in the marketplace. There is a competitive aspect to that. Whether the competitive, uh, whether the marketplace is, you know, a consumer one or, or B2B, large or small, you still want your product to win. So I think that's just a fact. Internally, also, when you're thinking about a company or a corporation, there is an aspect of competitiveness Yes, it's not a zero-sum game, but 
if you have 10 people who want to become managers of product managers, they're going to be compared against each other. And that introduces a level of competitiveness, even in the most benign cultures, the most collaborative cultures, there is an aspect of competitiveness and comparison, etc. So those are the two that I was talking about a lot last, last week. We can talk a little more about what does that mean from a collaboration perspective, but I'd love to hear from Leung and Dave, their perspective too. Yeah, thanks for the context. That's super helpful because uh, I was not in the session last week, so I didn't have a lot of context on you know like what we were talking about. Uh, but now hearing the story, I think the question is really about there's a lot of competitiveness in the product management role, and uh, which we are product managers, we're supposed to be collaborative people. How can we uh, succeed in this environment when there's both competitiveness, everyone wants to succeed, and then uh, we still need to collaborate. I think to me, when I hear the word competitiveness, I don't just generalize. It's not really specific to product manager. I think in the tech world or even in our daily life, we can be competitive and there's competition everywhere. So I don't think that there's a, a particular problem for product managers as well. It applies to everyone who wants to have a successful career in tech, regardless whether you're an engineer or a designer or a data scientist or a product manager, there's a level of competitiveness involved. But again, I think it's really up to ourselves to interpret this word. When I hear about this, I compete myself with myself yesterday. I know it sounds such like a, a cliche, oh, everyone's saying that, but I think that's really the mindset that I put myself in every day when I show up for work. Am I doing things faster than before? Am I doing things more efficient than I was doing last quarter? Is the product getting better or are people collaborating better compared to, you know, like a year ago. I think that's the competition that I would have and I would love to have every single day. And in terms of competing with each other within the company, again, I think uh, I can only speak for my own experience because uh, I haven't worked for that many companies. But regardless, there is a system designed to make sure that we remove as much bias as possible to ensure that there is a fair uh, competition. For example, like the example that was mentioned before, if 10 people are competing for the head of product role, how do we make that decision? And I think at the end of the day, uh, it's more about um, what are the responsibilities for that role? What are the skills needed for that role? And do you have that uh, skill set already? And if you, you do, and you're not selected for that role, it's up to you to accept that this reality or not. And I'm sure if you have those skills already, it's very easy for you to find uh, a successful career elsewhere if this doesn't you know, like uh, suit your career path anymore. So I don't think it's mutually exclusive thing that you, you have to be collaborative and you have to compete with each other. So to me, that's not really a question. You can still, you can be both. Compete with yourself and collaborate with others. At the end of the day, if that's not something that you want, or you're not getting the results you're hoping for, you can always choose uh, to make a decision to leave the situation. But that's kind of how I interpret competitiveness and being collaborative at the same time. Did that answer your question or do we want to hear from Dave as well? Yeah, I mean, what Samia shared was a little bit more color and context to what she was talking about last week. And I, from what Liang is also saying, it's more of a just the general nature of being competitive in work 
and not necessarily that product managers or product management space is hyper competitive. Yeah. And just to add to that to myself, if you don't mind, is it is competitive. So we see thousands of people, probably more, want to be product managers. And there are people who are hungry, like they are mock interviewing every day. And so the fact that you got a product manager job, congratulations, because that there's more people who want to be product managers than currently can be. So in that sense, there's a, there is competitiveness. But I've seen, at least through the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator at the University of Washington, collaboration is key to that success. And you could look at other product managers and other aspiring product managers as competition, or you could form a family and, and collaborate and help each other. A statement that one of the fellows used was lift as you climb. And so I don't think it has to be competitive in the sense of cutthroat, but we do have to acknowledge that one, you're competing. It's competitive in the sense that you're competing for a limited number of roles, you being just the general audience. Two, it's competitive in the sense that your product is going up against a, a whole range of other products and you're competing for the attention and time and the dollars of your customers. But it, it can be, and as you pointed out, and it should be uh, collaborative within your organization. And I think it could be collaborative with other product managers. And Dave, I think if you could relate this to facilitation, chime in as well. One more uh, thought on the competitiveness versus collaborative spirit to facilitate what we've discussed already. Sure. Thanks. I'm not, belabor, not to belabor the point around the competitiveness of OPMs, but you're going to have that naturally. Anyone at your same level or looking for the same job, that's just natural competition. That's no different from any other job. But I like that, love that phrase. I use the phrase rising tide lifts all boats. So if you can collaborate, the more you collaborate with them, the better. And a lot of these PMs that are your, co your um, peers, I mean, you're going to have competing maybe requirements or competing features or competing like things around like, oh, I need this first or I need this in order to do this. And that's where the facilitation comes in. Understanding those requirements, understanding which of these as from the business perspective is more important, right? And figuring out a way forward, right? Instead of just battling it out, right? Like there's that kind of natural competition as, you know, in larger organizations, you're going to, you know, step on toes. That is normal. And that's where you have to have the transparency and the willingness to work together to bridge those gaps. You're going to have your own competing priorities around dollars versus customer satisfaction. Or when push comes to shove and you need to you know, cut two features out, two stories out, you have to, you're, you're competing within like your team on which ones are going to work. So competition is a very broad term here. But in terms of facilitation, having that clear direction, you know, reaching across the aisle to other PMs or like your, your head engineer or your architect, whoever that is is going to help a lot in this. So competition is, it's no different, I guess, than other groups. Just, I mean, it's just natural as part of the game. And in PM more than a lot of other roles, I think that that ability to be transparent, to lay off the cards on the table, prioritize well, and work together is going to be critical. Thank you so much for asking the question. We've got two other people on stage. Poor Red, he's missing this. If the, <laughs> for those of you who not, you're not regular listeners, don't know that Red lives for this moment when there's people who have questions and he wants to help you. I want to help you. I just had normally let Red do this. So now I want to make, I'm going to channeling my best ability to get your questions answered. Nicole, Briefly, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, or I guess just uh, dive into your question, but a little context on the question. And keep in mind, I didn't say this before, but this is recorded and put out as a podcast on every major podcasting app. And Nicole, so good to see you. <laughs> and if you came up to also share insights, feel free to. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tumei. I feel like a 
like a like seeing my ex at the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I hope I'm maybe... a lot more pleasanter than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a word. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, we just uh, I had a change in company. So great to see you as always. Congrats on your moderation of the summit. Congrats on the summit. What's the name of that? One more time, Jeff. Wow, thank you. Uh, Inclusive Product Management Summit. All right, the Inclusive Product Management Summit. There's going to be a lot of people there that, that sounded cool. I know people are chiming in, and I am here to remind people I got your back. And I love what Liang said about getting better every day and the conversation around competition. And I just want to remind everyone the Olympics is a competition. How do we get the best athletes in the world? Competition. <laughs> and every one of those athletes is coached. And that's why we have coaches and coaches are through feedback. So just beautiful analogy there that I hold around the competition space, because that's how we bring out the best. That's how we're going to get the best innovation. And I love your comment around diversity as well of, of uh, helping channel that. So anyway, I just thought I'd drop that. But obviously, I will uh, do my question here and get on to the round. Thanks for the time. Great to see everyone. And thanks for hosting. So my name is Nicole. I'm a tech diva. And I'm on a personal mission to spark success by leading and serving. So I do lead in the product space now. So my question will be around a new role I have in the product management space, in the channel, in a lot of strategy for a certain product line. I happen to be working in the sassy space. So I'm, my question has to do with the role. And then, of course, I have a passion for women in tech. So get at me if you want to talk about that. Always here for it. But my question for the panel or anyone else is feedback. You know, I'm on the edge of the business, but I'm also on the tip of the tip of the spear, right? Because I'm dealing and seeing with a lot of strategies on go-to-market service plays, specifically in the reseller market. And so I get a lot of feedback around features, just the same as the field provides feedback on features. And I'm just wondering, what is your favorite way to receive feedback, especially when you have a system, like say you have like, aha, you have some type of feature tracking system, some way that layers on the people part of that. So I love insight so that I can make the product management world a better place. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for making the product management world a better place. Yeah, we love it. Women in tech is important and more inclusion in tech is important, more inclusion in product management. Product managers shape the innovations. And so we want to have a lot more inclusion there. So Dave, wondering if you could answer Nicole's question about feedback loops. Hi, I want to make sure I understood the question. Was it like, what are our best or preferred ways on receiving feedback? Like in terms of like product asks or I'm trying to like you want to sell your product but you don't have feature a you want to sell your product but you don't have integration b Uh, you want to sell your product but you don't have good marketing so I have that feedback I'm going to get it every single day and working with partners all over the world the question is some of those maybe don't fit in a feature request tool or if there is a feature request tool which is obviously a great way that we see it happen right where you can do all kinds of innovation that's a whole nother show But my question there is like, from the side of like a channel or a field, is there any special way you like to engage that are best practices around engagement for uh, improvements in a way that comes across positive and from a good spot? Thanks. Okay. Thanks for the clarifying. Interesting question. And thank you. So I like getting as close to the customer as possible, but obviously can't do it. It's only one person, right? And so aside from sometimes those requests get lost, I think you're you're alluding to in AHA or wherever else they get ingested into and you don't have the full context of it. So the closer I get to the customer, the better in general, right? And um, in the absence of going to the customer and observing myself, how they do this, I love getting this from like, like in a 
recording or demo, like from my favorite, one of my favorite resources is actually our sales engineers uh, because they are somewhat technical. They understand the product. They have dealt with the physical, like little pain of the, of not having that feature because they're not just the salesperson who, I'm not saying not just, but the salesperson usually focuses on the sale. The sales engineer has to actually do the job. And so hitting, hearing from sales, they're kind of driven a little more by the number versus like the engine sales engineer, which is driven by the pain. So I love getting that from, from sales engineers and usually like in some kind of quick demo, like some kind of video, like, like replicate for me what's going on or show me like where this is different and show me like where this is in a customer, you know, a competing customer has it and why we don't. There's no other platform I'll say for that. It's just a part of the process, right? Because I love, um, before it gets inserted into that, you know, backlog or the, the, the I guess the ideas backlog you lose that context. So for me, especially when it doesn't fit nicely into the things we're already doing, I like getting some kind of quick you know, screenshots, demo, like a live demo from an engineer or sales engineer, or some kind of like set of screenshots from, from them in slides. Just the closer I can get to the customer and their direct pain, the better. Uh, frankly, like AHA is so far removed unless it's a very obvious feature or very like popular feature. I usually shy away from that and get closer and closer to that customer. All right. Thank you for that question, Nicole. Welcome. Hopefully that breakup went smoothly and it was okay to be back together here on, on stage. No, really? it absolutely is. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for being here. In the interest of time, I want to make sure we cruise through these last three questions. Not cruise. I want to make sure we give enough attention to them. But Kavan, please let me know if I pronounced that right and uh, chime in with your question about facilitation and product management. I uh, appreciate you guys and always a great room. 95% close. Kavan. But I give I'll give you uh, credit for it. Thank you. <laughs> so good to see you, Samaya. Um, you too. It's been a while. It's been a while. I but, know. Um, <laughs> good to see you. You see you too. So yeah. So product management. Nicole actually, you know, said everything I was going to say. I was going to actually make the metaphor about an athlete. You think of Michael Jordan. He's super competitive, but also collaborative in it within his you know sort of team culture. So not going to be dead horse. She said what I was going to say. So great analogy. My commentary around, you know, I actually just started, I'm starting a new role in product management for a growing startup um, in prop tech. And one of the things that I'm focusing on now is kind of weaving in everybody's sort of tasks that are sort of analogous to my product role, right? You know, some things touch product, but don't actually, you know, that aren't product focused. So, you know, might be sort of tangential to what Nicole said as well, or asked as well, around best practices, around segmenting efforts that might align with product, but they're not directly aligning, right? So weaving in other people's roles into your product ecosystem without, I guess, sort of taking on things that aren't aligned, right? So, I mean, you know, I guess for every role is different, but just kind of like... Just a quick clarifying um, question. Uh, Sorry for the interruption. So the question I have is around the people you're you're going to bring in and involve, are they going to be to help you build the product? Like, what is the goal of bringing in others? Well, no, everyone's on the team already, right? So, I mean, I think one of the things is like when you're building up a growing company, you know, everyone sweeps the floor, for example, right? Yeah. But at the same time as you're building a product, you want to make sure that you're not bringing everybody onto the roadmap that doesn't need to be, right? So sales and marketing, they have their own, channels but at the same time sometimes those yeah. touch product right and especially for growing companies it, it's 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 an art and science and trying to 
make sure that you're building an, an infrastructure for almost from the ground up. Yep. Kayvon, thank you so much. I'm sorry to interrupt, but just we only have eight more minutes left with our crew here. And I think I got enough for them. Leung, did you get enough from there to kind of chime in on facilitation? Kayvon, correct me if I'm wrong, but I interpreted this as bringing the right people in at the right time. Is that right? And how do we decide that? Kayvon, did- yeah, and separating church and state in a sense, like for, for respective roles, right? Perfect. Leung, uh, do you have enough to kind of how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, let me uh, provide a very short answer. Uh, so first of all, working in a big corporation versus working in a, a startup, very, very different and requires very, very different skills. Even though that we're all product managers, it's very different day-to-day life if you're a PM in Microsoft or Google or Amazon versus a startup that has like 20 people. So I think what we're discussing here is more about what are the things that you should do as a product manager and what are the things that you should delegate to other people or empower other people so that you can uh, work on things that have uh, that use more your uh, skills and also make a better impact. And I think the answer to that is really, it varies. I think usually what I ask for myself is the product that I'm working on or the project that I'm working on, what needs to be achieved and what are the things that need to happen? And are people working on that? What are the people that I can leverage uh, to make that happen? And if no one is taking on that, am I the best person to take on that? And if I am, I'm going to take on that. I think that's kind of the mindset that I operate since joining Airbnb. I joined Airbnb around uh, 600 engineers and now we are, you know, like some number, like triple the number. So we kind of went through the phase where you have to do everything on your own. And now like uh, we have uh, dedicated roles for uh, different responsibilities. So I guess that the question is really what needs to happen for our product and our people offer it. And if no one's like doing that work, you are the product manager. Uh, you have to step up and fill the gap. That's how I view this question. Kevin, I know we had to cut that short, but did that give you something that helps with the question that you had? Jeff, I want to add, I feel very strongly about one thing I just want to add, if you don't mind. Kayvon, there is a question I always ask myself, which is, what role does everyone play in this collaboration that we need to do? So, for example, you brought up a roadmap. You definitely need to collaborate with marketing and sales on your roadmap. Yes, you might have 80% of the thinking around your roadmap or some assumptions, but there are so many other players that people assume should not be part of the process that need to be part of the process. And so the principle I start from is one, be as inclusive as possible, but two, understand the role each person is playing. So sometimes you don't need to involve people in the creation of, you can get the, have them be part of the feedback. You, you can inform them, but start from a place of involving as many people as possible, but involving them judiciously in the right situations, the right collaborations. Back to you, Jeff. Sorry, I was trying to pin a link because it looks like we might not have time for everybody. Question, we're going to try, but Dave is a hard stop at five, and I want to be respectful of Leong's time as well. So we're going to try. Let's go. Uh, if you could get your question out in 30 seconds or less, we might be able to have time for both questions. And then everybody is welcome on the Product Management Center Slack channel, where Dave and Sumeya and other product leaders are available to answer questions that you might have. So please join the Product Management Center Slack channel. I will try to get that link posted. Please uh, say your name and 30 seconds or less your question. And then Leong or Dave, I'll let you chime in directly. Uwakmafan, did I get that right? Are you there? Yes, yes, yes. I'm there. Okay. Just so we don't use enough a longer time. 
I'll be anticipating the link so I can ask my question is basically on um, networking for anyone who is in search of a product manager so I could share my resume and probably have like a discussion. So, Oh, yes, that link, which just appeared, if you see it at the top of the room, would be very helpful with that. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. All right. Welcome. Yeah, check out that link. Join us on the Product Management Center Slack channel. We're bringing over almost 2,000 product managers and aspiring product managers together in a place where you could connect with each other, share questions, look for advice. And that seems like a perfect spot for that. Uh, if not for our guests here today, there are other product managers who just might be able to help you. So thanks for that question and comment. Gaurav, 30 seconds or less. Do you have a question or comment for Liang or Dave or Sumeya? I don't have any question. I just wanted to add one point. You know, product management is an amazing field to be in. And to succeed in product management, you need to understand three key components. That is people, product, and processes. If you are able to understand the, these three components in the first three months, you'll be able to successfully go ahead and you know, make a career out of the sector you are in product management specifically. So that's it. All right. Perfect segue. Thank you, Gaurav. Dave, uh, Sumeya, and Liang. People, processes, and sorry, I, I, I'm having a, a brain fart. What's the third one you said? People, processes, and... Technology and product. Dave, concluding thoughts, takeaways on processes that could help facilitation for product managers. Sure. So, I mean, um, you got to make sure, number one, I think your objectives are clear. Whatever your North Star is, whatever your primary objectives are, those should be very clear. If they change, you have to make that clear so that we're all moving in the right direction. Thing number two, PMs, everyone should be, but PMs need to be prepared, organized. When there's meetings, I don't I use meetings here, have pre-work if it's needed. Have a clear agenda and clear outcomes so that so those are those hours aren't wasted. When you have this long process, especially, ensure there's this connective tissue between these meetings and, and milestones, right? We did this last time. Did we did we follow up? Did we follow through? That connects that accountability, I think, shows up and adds up, right? In terms of like the longer time um, facilitation pro- uh, objectives. Communicate broadly and often, like like you have to be transparent and broadly, tra- you know, so everyone knows what's going on. Over communicate. You're going to have to repeat two steps forward, one step back, you know, multi-year, multi-month processes. You're going to have to repeat, 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 repeat. And lastly, I think I mentioned it before, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Embrace them, make them transparent, learn from them, move on, right? Like people know you make mistakes, embrace it and move on from there and learn from them. That's it. All right, Dave, thank you so much for being here. Good luck in your stealth ed tech startup. People want to get in touch with Dave. It looks like you're on the Product Management Center Slack channel. So thanks for being there. And I hope you get to connect with others passionate about cybersecurity, ed tech, or product management. Liang, any concluding thoughts about the processes or frameworks that'll help product managers facilitation skills? Yeah, sure. I'll just like agree with whatever, uh, what has already been discussed here. Uh, thank you for all your thoughts. I learned a lot as well. And I would just add on one point is to create enough psychological safety for everyone that is in the room, actively listening to what is being said, but more importantly, what is not being said. I think as a product manager, we need to develop this sense of self-orientation to see, I have a gut feeling this is going well. The meeting is efficient. I feel like everyone expressed their opinions versus, oh, I feel like this is running well, uh, but people are saying that this is not really efficient meeting or a collaboration afterwards. So yeah, that's my closing thought on this. All right. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Leong and Dave. Uh, great comments. Sumeya, you're here every single week, and I know you're willing to stay a little bit later in case Dave or Leong have to leave now. But concluding thoughts or takeaways from your perspective? 
Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to say we got some really good questions today. I think we could have discussed them for so much longer than we did. There was nuance there too. So thank you to everyone who came up. A couple of takeaways from me. The first one is around the energy of the facilitators. I think it's highly contagious. So one of the easiest things we can do to keep our you know, collaborations high energy and upbeat, which is extremely important to you know, getting the outcomes you need. One of the easiest things we can do is bring in the right energy to the room. You know, starting that collaboration with complaining or with a lack of optimism is never a good place to start. And I think it sounds, you know, common like common sense, but I, I see that as a as something that's easy to change, but sometimes we forget to. That's one. The second one, I think there has been a lot written and shared in the past two years since we've had to do a lot of virtual meetings about effective meetings. Dave shared a couple of tips. Uh, definitely agree with those. Doing, you know, brainstorming before meetings rather than inside meetings to increase that likelihood of innovation collision or creative collision that wouldn't happen otherwise is really important. Um, and then the last thing is retroing. So one of the things I like now to do, especially when we do longer collaborations, something that's a little longer than an hour, I'd like to take 10 minutes at the end of that collaboration and ask every, you know, everyone, how did they feel about it? What could we do better? What are they still wondering about? There is a book by Steven Rogelberg, I believe it's called The Surprising Science of Meetings. And in it, he talks about, you know, the only person who consistently through the research shows up shows that they feel good about the meeting is the facilitator themselves. So, you know, it tells me that generally speaking, as facilitators, we have a lot of delusion around the effectiveness of our facilitation skills. And so don't be that person. And I say that to myself to get feedback, uh, get it one-on-one. -on -one. If you're trying to build your, your facilitation skill, this is one tip, and I forgot to mention it earlier, but I'll do that now. Uh, find someone that you like and you admire the f their facilitation skills and ask them to invite you to participate on one of their facilita facilitated sessions. So a lot of facilitators, you know, end up doing uh, longer workshops, let's say, for example, and they need co-facilitators to help them. So ask them to invite you to facilitate part of their agenda and then ask them for feedback so that you can learn, you can get real-time feedback. And that's something that has worked for me. I've done that in the past. It's, it's a really great learning opportunity. Back to you, Jeff. All right. Thank you, everybody who asked some fantastic questions. Uh, thank you to our panelists today who gave some fantastic answers. And thank you to all of you for listening. Product management, in my view, the reason I started the Product Management Center, uh, along with the help of so many product leaders on the founding advisory board and the community who rallied behind this. But part of the reason I, I started this is because product management, it's a really important role. It sets the priorities for innovations. It decides the future that we all get to experience. And it's really really important that uh, those who take that role take it very seriously and understand the gravity of what they're getting into, that they could shape a better society for all, or they could exacerbate inequities that exist today. And so all of you being here shows that you're, you're willing and ready to put in the work to take on this important role. And our job here at the Product Management Center at the University of Washington, we want to make a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. Uh, diversity is important because... Uh, 
different perspectives uh, create innovations that are better for business, but more importantly, better for society and help a broader group of people. More inclusive because, again, it's an important role and so many people are excluded from the technologies that are being prioritized today. And so we want to see innovations that are more inclusive and we want to see more people feel welcome and included in the tech community. And skilled is really important because at the at the heart of this, uh, this will only work if everybody who's in it uh, has the skills uh, needed to facilitate, uh, needed to, to drive these innovations forward and make progress happen. And so uh, we've got many things that we're doing to, to build this future, a more inclusive future. Uh, one of them is this weekly clubhouse. Thank you to Samea for being here every week. Thank you for Leung for being here today. Uh, thank you for everybody. This weekly clubhouse is trying to open up access to the information. Uh, we have the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator Program where we are uh, working to empower professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first product management role. We have 140 amazing fellows in the program already getting hired at Microsoft, Workday, Walmart, Box, Peloton, some big name companies. And we need you, if you're listening, to join us in this effort. We need you to join us as volunteers to do mock interviews, uh, as sponsors. If your company wants to connect with this talent and demonstrate a commitment to inclusion, we need you. And then last, the the other thing we have is the Slack channel for all of you where you can connect with each other and uh, help each other get to that next level. And the the last thing I wanna mention is the Inclusive Product Management Summit, May 20th and May 21st. Super excited to bring the community together to learn about managing inclusive stakeholders, m- managing inclusive teams, and building inclusive products. We've got a great lineup, and it's it's still growing. And then I guess I can't, since we're on inclusion, i got to say one more thing. We have the Inclusive Product Management Champions. We are going to recognize the product managers who are building that better future through their work as product managers or through their work supporting the community. So if you've been inspired by somebody please nominate them for the Inclusive Product Management Champions. I think Sumeya here deserves about 250,000 nominations based off of how much she's been generous <laughs> with well, her let's, insights. Let's, let's be more inclusive and think of other people. <laughs> I don't know, Sumeya. We should be more inclusive, but I do expect at least, I don't know, we're, I think we're up to tens of thousands of listens on, on our podcast, and you've been so generous every single week sharing your insights to help create a more inclusive product management community by giving access to this information. So anyway, <laughs> I know you're you're too um, humble to accept that I'm saying, yes, <laughs> nominate Sumeya and also be inclusive. Nominate whoever has inspired you for the Inclusive Product Management Champions. Anyway, I spoke too much, but I had a moment here that I, I got on a roll. I'm super excited about what we're doing. Super excited about all of you who have helped us with what we're doing and excited to hopefully bring more of you on board as volunteers, as people we share the information with, people we learn from, and people we work together to build a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. We'll be here next week on Clubhouse, right, Sumeya? Yes, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we tried Twitter spaces, and my email to the, the people who edit the, the recordings was, <laughs> please ignore like the 20 minutes of, I can't hear him, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we'll be back here on Clubhouse next week uh, with uh, other product managers. Until then, have a great week, be kind to one another, and, and good luck in your journey. <laughs>